This is Larie Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. two guests. Uh, I have been fascinated by their story uh, because it is a unique story, although I think it is quite instructive for uh, what a lot of us are hoping to be able to do with our own passions and senses of purpose. Uh, these two folks, Elena Holtzclaw and her husband, Derek Holtzclaw, are joining us today. They are the proprietors behind Thuji, T-H-E-U-G-I. I have talked about them a lot. So if you are a longtime listener, you know that I have been waiting for this conversation for a little while now. Thuji, uh, T-H-E-U-G-I, is a small black-owned company that offers high-quality designer leather handbags and accessories for men and women. They want to become the leading supplier of leather bags and accessories in the black community. Thuji was founded, here's where I fall in love with this entire concept, uh, founded for the purpose of supporting their non-profit organization, the Urban Growth Initiative, a youth-centered community development initiative. Their goal is to develop youth youth-driven enterprise operations that drive economic growth in our communities. Derek and Elena Holtzclaw, it is such a pleasure to have you both here. Thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you, for Thank having you. us. Absolutely. No, I. it is my yeah. pleasure. I got to tell y'all, I got my Rhonda bag. She's beautiful. Oh, nice. I, I absolutely love it. I was bragging about it uh, the other day when you, after you had called into Karen's show, uh, Elena. So I, I'm looking forward to our discussion <laughs> because I think you guys have really stumbled onto something that's great. Uh, before we talk about the bags, because literally we could spend the entire conversation talking about the fact that they are absolutely beautiful. The leather is supple and amazing. The lining is superb. Uh, and I have very much enjoyed carrying mine. But before we get to that, because we could literally talk about that for the entire term. You got the top uh, body too, right? Yeah. Yes, that's right. And the handles, I, I love the handles. They provide multiple different straps. Um, the packaging was, see, now you can get me talking about the bag and we're supposed to be talking about the organization. Let's pause that for a second. Okay. Uh, Derek, talk to us about the yeah. organization that you founded, the Urban Growth Initiative. What is this organization and why was creating this program so important for you? So thank you so much uh, for having us. You know, first, let me just start by saying I really needed those breathing exercises you were, you were doing a little earlier, you know, never been on the radio before. And it get, as you're sitting there, you get height. And so I started doing the breathing exercises. And I was like, oh, perfect timing. So thank Yay. you very much for that. Oh, that's great. So, I'm really glad to hear it. Great. So, you know, this has been a vision of mine uh, for a very, very long time. I'm, I uh, started my professional career with this in mind. And so I think I, I shared with you that I've worked for the government and I've been doing this work for quite a while, 27 years. Mm. And that's the whole reason why I got into government work is because, you know, we've got a lot of issues in our communities that we need to address. And mm. waiting uh, for someone externally to come in and deliver us uh, from these issues is, is not going to work. We really mm. need to develop solutions ourselves. So um, what I started, you know, what we did, we developed the Urban Growth Initiative with the, with the idea that, you know, it has to be a youth-driven solution to address our problem. So, mm. so that's basically it. 
What well, do you guys do with the students in the program? So uh, right now, what we're we're in the we're still in development phase, and uh, the goal, of course, is first of all secure the money that we need to run the organization. Mm. That's why we came. That's why we have Fuji. Um, but the purpose is to develop a leadership uh, initiative for our youth. Right now, the challenges that that we're dealing with. Uh, in our community, really are youth-driven challenges. You know, once we could create a unified bond for our kids going forward, you know, something that they can lean on and and work together with, then uh, then we'll be able to move forward. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, you know, the thing is, I've got so many ideas like running through my mind, and this is like really a nervous situation for me. But um, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll get through it. I, I love it. One of the things that uh, I was sharing with a friend of mine yesterday, or, or earlier this week, rather, uh, they were talking about culture and the way mm-hmm. that culture, you know, there are some communities that have really healthy cultures that seem to sort of aim their kids towards success. And then you've got some other cultures that are like, do y'all, do y'all care about your kids? Like, did you know your kids was struggling and dealing with that? Like, there, there seems to be no nothing that's there for the children. Uh, and we were comparing the differences between uh, adults in communities that have a lot of institutions that center the needs of their kids versus the adults in communities that that come from communities that don't. And the reality is, you know, uh, I was saying, listen, we romanticize Africa, right? And we romanticize the healthy societies that were there. But those healthy societies were populated by adults who had institutions in their community that taught them from the time they were children what was going to be expected of them as an adult. We often talk about uh, in our programming, you know, what Kunta Kinte from Roots, what he was taught. By the time he was 15, he's taught that, you know, allow your enemy a a way of escape. He's taught that uh, the the way, the proper way for uh, the people in the community and in the village to interact with each other. He's learned the respect hierarchy that they have in their community, how to be a young man. And he doesn't just learn that by happenstance. He learns it because there was a rights of passage program and he had to be able to survive out in the woods for like a month. You know what I mean? So uh, we we often act as though our children are just going to sort of get it. And we we have forgotten because of our own great interruption that we have to create the institutions that are going to cultivate within those children what it is we want them to produce as adults. Uh, So I'm I'm just so excited about the work that you guys are putting in to create an opportunity uh, for our children to have uh, the ability to thrive. Now, all organizations like the one you're describing, Derek, need money. That's just the reality. Uh, We have a lot of people who want to do a whole lot of things. They ain't got no money. And so you guys seem to have come up with a pretty unique solution for how you can fundraise for the work that you're doing. Uh, Elena, talk with us about where this idea came from, uh, building up, you know, the ability to have financial reserves that would be able to seed your organization. I'll be honest with you. I, when we were first starting our nonprofit, I went to corporate America. Like that's my solution. Well, I'm a lawyer. I'm gonna go to the law firm. And that's how we funded our organization. You guys have come up with something else. Elena, talk with us about the the idea that you had uh, to be able to support the work that your husband was, was contemplating engaging with. Okay. I have to say, well, first of all, I I just want to say, like I said, thanks for having us on. And I want to say congratulations to you um, for your executive director. (laughs) Uh, director uh, position at the Center for Law and Social Justice. That is so awesome. I'm so proud of you. I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, So 
Fuji. Fuji is actually, um, you know, it stands for the Urban Growth Initiative, like, like we said. But this has totally been Derek's vision since I've known him, since we were in college together. Derek has his vision, and um, I know that he cannot, uh, he, this has to come to fruition for us. Because we worked so hard on it. Um, it kind of started maybe like nine, ten, ten years ago um, with apparel. Um, we started outfitting when our sons were in, in high school. We started outfitting their um, sports teams with apparel, with letterman jackets, uh, bomber jackets. It was really cool. The kids loved them. Uh, we became a vendor for the school district here. We um, also have someone in Chicago who ha- who's a vendor for the Chicago School uh, District, and they sell our leather uh, goods there. Um, so it kind of, you know, we were trying to figure out a way to fundraise for this nonprofit uh, that Derek has been talking to me about for over 20 years that, mm. you know, and he actually is on paper. He has the plan, but we need, you know, the whole thing is getting funding for you're not for profit and we didn't necessarily want to go, you know, getting grants and um, government um, money just because they can, you know, kind of uh, tell us what to do, you know? Mm. So we were looking for a different route. Um, so we started with apparel and we started working with leather. Um, we were sourcing leather and we were like, Hey, you know, there are other things that we can do. Other things that, uh, you know, our black community love, you know, um, so we started designing leather bags, and this was maybe, this was three years ago that we actually launched, but uh, we've been working with leather for about 10 years. Wow. Um, the, um, you know, Fuji, uh, we offer, you know, unique design. Uh, we pay close attention to the de- details of our bags. Um, it's very quality leather. We source out the components of the bag, um, and it's, Actually, the the business is doing very well, and we are starting to make money, which is going to fund the non for profit, which we're happy about. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's been it's been a great three years, actually. You know, with the pandemic, everyone's been at home, um, shopping online. When we first launched, we launched actually in December of um, twenty nineteen. Oh wow. Uh, Right, right at the end, actually, right around New Year's, uh, we launched, and then the pandemic hit, and we were mm. like, "Oh my God!" So um, Fuji has forced us to uh, learn a lot. It's been a huge learning curve. We did most of our marketing on social media. Uh, we've met some incredible people. There are some incredible black businesses out here. Mm. I've just been so in awe of some of the people that we've met. Black businesses uh, just over the last couple of years. Um, you know, you have people that have been in business, black businesses that have been in business for, you know, nine, 10 years. And I call them the old pros because they have done it. They're doing it, you know, nine or 10 years for a black business. It's, it's that's huge. a long time, yes. you know? 
It is. Um, Quite frankly, so, it's a long time for any business because most uh, uh, entrepreneur enterprises within three to five years, they are no longer here. So that is significant, mm-hmm. extraordinarily significant considering all the things that they have to navigate and go through. You, you mentioned exactly. a few things that I, I kind of want to drill mm-hmm. down on a bit because the idea is, yes, we want to share stories of entrepreneurs, but we also want to share uh, some of the details because a lot of times people hear, you know, the success side of it, but they don't re- they're not there for the for the struggle side of it. You mentioned that you you began uh, as a vendor for schools and uh, that you you have not just a vendor in your ki- the schools that your kids attended, but you have vendors in other states. Talk to us about the the role of being a vendor for a an institution like the Department of Education. A lot of times we have these amazing products. I have a good sister friend who sells a, a really popular mm-hmm. and well known uh, beauty brand, and and soaps are part of her thing. And she is now attempting to become a vendor. Uh, with the DOE so that her soaps would be dispensed in bathrooms all mm-hmm. throughout the city. But a lot of our right. vendors are are kind of stuck in a, well, I'm going to go to the to the festival and I'm going to sell at the festival. Or I'm going to sell out my trunk. And that is good. Right. So that's what you got to do. But talk to us right. about taking the step of actually securing a vendor's license with an institution like the Department of Education and what that did for you in terms of volume and numbers. So, you know, uh, Larry, one thing that we did here um, was we, had, we, had, we actually went directly to the high school. Mm-hmm. We spoke with the principal of the high school. We also spoke with the athletic director. And, you know, what we then from there, we had to go off and get our vendor ID. And um, so we had to get samples, right? We had to bring samples in and, and talk to, the, like I said, the uh, athletic directors. But we also had to talk to students to get their feedback and their bias. And I think it was from those relationships that you develop uh, by going through that process um, that, you know, it leads to the actual sales. You know, they started off very slow. You started off with uh, socks. You know, I know that we were trying to market leather jackets and things like that, but, you know, there was a lot of, hes- there was a lot of hesitancy in, in doing business with us because we had no track record. Mm. Um, so, but eventually we got a break where they actually said, okay, well, you know, for the football team, we want to have these custom socks. So, okay, we're well, fine. We found a supplier to help us design their socks. Um, we delivered them at a great price. We delivered them on time. And once that happened, then we got, okay, well, let's take a look. Uh, what about tracksuits? So we designed uh, tracksuits for uh, their track team. And not only did we design the, the suits, but we also put in uh, custom jackets for the coaches. There's like four mm. uh, coaches that uh, you know ran a track program, so they had designer custom jackets that matched the track suit. Mm. You know, we we covered that out of our call. Um and so from that, you know, that's how we got traction, and that's how we started uh, a, bis- a business relationship with our our high school here. Um, that kind of that. eventually grew. We started then supplying uh, the leather uh, varsity jackets. Um, we also had contacts, like Lena said, in Chicago. That's where we're from. Uh, where we started providing through a, through a partner there, because we're here and, and he's there. Um, but through a partner there, we start, we used the same model and started delivering custom uh, varsity jackets to youth in Chicago and multiple high schools. I think we serve maybe about 20, 25 high schools in the Chicago and Chicago land area. Um, You know, and he's, he's actually marketing directly to the youth. Um, But uh, our vision of course 
you know, going forward, we would like to establish those relationships directly with the school districts, uh, just like we started here um, in New York. So um, that's that's how we kind of got started there. Uh, but of course, you know, it's it's about de- developing relationships, you know, and mm. being able to actually go in. You know, I mean, because you know, teachers and administrators they're looking for solutions to their issues as well. You know, they are looking right. for supplies. They're looking for uh, different things, and you have to actually go in there and meet them. You got to press the palms, and you got to talk to people and develop relationships because that's ultimately what it all boils down to, right? Uh, so I love that's, this. That's how we that's how we started that part of our business, and as Lena said, we then um, you know moved into designer handbag uh, business because that's that I think that's our passion as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Lena has a million bags, and I love to buy her bags and. <laughs> Uh, and we really started looking at quality, what the quality of leather is like, um, and started getting into that. And and that's how we how we kind of transitioned into into Fuji bags. So I want to point out for the audience here, there are a couple of of steps that were taken that if you just listen to the beauty of the story, you might miss. I want to break down a little bit and tease that out. We actually have some folks on the line who have some questions for you guys. So I'm I'm going to have to steal a few more minutes of your time because I want to make sure that we can get those questions out as well. Uh, But you guys heard they they started out, they had to get some samples of their product together. If you ever watch Shark Tank, whenever someone comes on Shark Tank and they don't have samples yet, you already know the sharks are like, come on, you just need a commercial for your product and that's why you here they had to secure the sample so it's one thing to have a product in theory it's another thing to actually have something that people can hold taste touch smell so on and so forth don't just describe to me your grandmama's hot sauce i need a sample is it good on my fried chicken is it good on my greens i need to be able to sample it uh they had to secure a vendor's license these are some of the steps that quite frankly every vendor has to take but for a lot of folks in our community who aren't used to to perhaps formalizing our, our uh, purchasing and selling relationships, we may not even know that you could probably Google how to be a vendor with my fill in the name of your district DOE. And there is an entire page that will come up that will tell you the process for becoming a vendor for your school system or any of the agencies uh, that in your area that you think you might have a good product solution for. They had to find a supplier. Right. Because at a certain point, I'm sure you could be in your garage uh, building that hot sauce on that extra kitchen that you put in there. But at a certain point, you're going to need a supplier if you're going to scale up. One other thing that you mentioned is that you created basically a model that you can replicate. And here's the reason this is important for me, y'all. I love successful black owned businesses. I think they are fantastic. I think we should patronize them all. But one of the challenges we have with a number of black owned businesses is a failure to systematize so that you can replicate what you do. Right. If you have a fantastic uh, product and you have a great company, what would it take for you to replicate yourself in another town? or to do what you're doing in this location in a separate location? Do you have a system that you can follow and say, oh, I could do this successful thing here in town A, I could also do it in town B, I can expand. And so being able to have in place uh, a model or or being aware of what your steps are so that if you wanted to replicate yourself somewhere else, you could do so, very important. Any Chinese food restaurant you go into, they're gonna have the same types of pictures. They say, I'm talking about the ones like 
stuck in my neighborhood, right? They're going to have the same menu. You know, you're going to get your general sales chicken. That's going to cost you more than your beans and barley. Like, you know what I'm saying? But anywhere you go in the country that's in a neighborhood like mine, you're going to have Chinese food options that look very, very similar because they are easily replicated. Uh, and once you do that and you have an entire industry built around it, you can create wholesale opportunities that will allow you to target literally uh, the companies that are from within your community. So that was my long spiel, uh, but I just wanted to make sure yeah. people hear that it ain't just about y'all being successful and having amazingly soft leather handbags, which you do, uh, but it's also about making sure that we're clear on what the pattern is. Uh, do you guys mind if we take this question from, we have a question out of con- uh, Connecticut. I want to bring on mm-hmm. uh, this caller, uh, Keith in Connecticut. Thank you so much for calling Keith. What is it that you would like to ask our guests this morning? Hi, good morning. Oh, Keith, can you speak up just a bit? It's hard to hear you. I don't know if anybody else can hear him. It's very hard for me to hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you, can you hear me? That's much yep. better. Much better. Okay. Uh, I'm so, uh, thank you guys for taking my call. Um, I just um, happened to turn on the, the station, which I usually listen to, but um, this was a great topic to uh, um, run into, but, you know, um, because I have a vision, because I've been going through um, fighting for visiting rights for my daughter. Um, God gave me a vision, um, and the company is called Fight for Par- um, Fathers Fight for Parenting. And the vision is about uh, fathers who uh, may not know their rights uh, to their child, knowing that they have the same rights that the mother has. And um, uh, coming up with, I came up with a company that's um, where we uh, represent um, the fathers who may not know their rights, uh, fathers who will be represented by an attorney, and um, also giving them so, so the Keith, uh, I, I don't want to cut you off, but we have a, a limited amount of time. I want to make sure we have enough time for them to get you a response. Do you? What's your specific question for Derek and Elena Holtzclaw? Okay, my my specific specific question is this: Where can I, or where should I turn to get uh, um, funding for this type of nonprofit organization, which will have grant writers on on um, on staff, inspectors, and attorneys on call to help represent these fathers, not just fathers, but mainly African-American father who has a bad represent, uh, reputation of not being, uh, uh, being deadbeats but don't know their rights. Okay, so right. Keith, that's a great question, and and we know it's funny because uh, the the research that exists shows us that uh, black men, out of all the men, are going to spend a disproportionately increased amount of time with their children, whether they live with the family or not, uh, as compared to their counterparts. Uh, Elena and 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 Derek, you guys mentioned that you you created Thuji because you wanted to avoid having to do traditional fundraising right. that a lot not a nonprofits are doing. Did you look at any fundraising sources or? Did you decide, you know what, we, we sort of are clear about what that pathway is, and we're going to create a for-profit product to support our nonprofit enterprise? So if I, if I take this later, the, um, you know, you, I think you hit it right on the head. We did not, I did not want to create or apply to federal uh, agencies or other sources for external income. You know, I think it's important, you know, especially in my situation, right, because what we're looking at is we're looking at developing youth-centered enterprises. We're looking at developing solutions that are youth-driven to address the conditions in our community. And as such, our youth have to be able to generate their own revenue. That's that's my belief. Mm. Um, and another thing is we definitely didn't want government 
funding to support our initiative because, of course, government comes with a lot of different strings, reporting requirements, and, you know, they have their own goals and objectives that they're looking to, to achieve. Those goals and objectives may not always be in parallel with what you as an organization want to achieve. Mm. So, you know, my suggestion would be to uh, develop your own revenue source. And, that, and I think that's key for any nonprofit organization is to be able to develop their own revenue source. Um, Laurie, if I could circle back a little bit um, to what you had asked me initially, I know mean, I got all stumbled up there. My guests uh, who have up, been very generous with this, their time to allow the me Urban to steal Growth them for a little bit no, longer. Our purpose, like uh, Derek I said, and Elena Holtzclaw of to, Fuji, uh, the create Urban a different situation in our community to develop economic initiatives in our uh, Here today to highlight and their what we are looking story, to do is, like uh, I said, has to be youth-driven because the solution, I think, in my opinion, the solution to a lot of the poverty-related issues are economic solutions. And in order to really move forward, they have to be, for in my their, opinion, once again, uh, non because that's where sustainability comes White in. From Hood Medicine. The ability is that to correct? create an Jonathan, enterprise is that you? Yeah. now that's driven by you, those same hello, youth hello. can grow with welcome, the enterprise. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You have a question for our um, current so, guest. So, so we're at that that point. One of our newest partners. They are on every other Monday to help us stay straight and informed about the real deal behind the coronavirus. I appreciate it. Your generosity and Jonathan, if I understand what you shared with Brittany, uh, you have a question about how to do something similar for Hood Medicine, which is also a nonprofit enterprise. Is that right? Yes. Um, you know, your opening to their segment really touched me because Shanice and I actually, Dr. Hudson and I were talking yesterday about the work we're doing and how passionate we're, we are about it. But at some point, there needs to be some funding source to make this, uh, a, you know, a reality that can um, that can last. Um, you know, and that we can do more things with it uh, because right now we're sort of, you know, just putting as much energy as we can into it. And we don't necessarily know how in the long run we're going to continue to hold the ship, ship up, you know, via funding. Um, I love their idea. The question I had um, is, you know, operating a nonprofit in and of itself is work, a lot of work, uh, as you, yep. you know. How do you find the time to add the additional work of operating a for-profit uh, enterprise help fund that? And are there other creative avenues to finding funding um, that you've investigated or thought about as well? And after they answered, I had one more observation to make about, you know, if there's time to do so. Okay, so uh, uh, Derek and Elena, and uh, you guys have, yeah. have mentioned that your nonprofit portion is still in the build-up phase. But once you are mm -hmm. fully operational, what is your plan for being able to manage both enterprises? Great. So the plan is really, Lena is the chief executive uh, officer of Fuji New York. You know, that's really her creation, her vision. Um, of course, you know, I'm looking at the enterprise operations of it and how that revenue can flow into the not-for-profit. But as far as the creativity and moving Fuji New York forward, that's all Elena. And as we grow, that piece will continue to grow under her as the CEO. The mm. uh, Urban Growth Initiative is really my vision. And I'm building the, uh, the foundation for that. And that's going to be a totally separate operation. That's what I'm going to um, run. And she's going to operate the other side. 
the uh, as far as I think that you asked, if I'm not mistaken, asked how do you develop or yeah, how do you develop an enterprise to support your vision, your not for profit? I yeah, were there other creative avenues you you, you came up with to try and do that? I'm sorry, say that one more time. Oh, so are, were there other any other creative avenues you came to you came to or thought about to help fund your nonprofit? Right. So, like I said earlier, I worked for the government. I've been working for the government for a long time, and one thing I definitely wanted to avoid was getting any fund any public funding. I did not want any public funding. Because, of course, public funding comes with strings. But more importantly, public funding to me um, is not the, the vision or the message that I want to um, have for our young people. I think our young people have to learn how to do things for themselves and rely on their community to support their efforts. So, you know, we, what we're starting with uh, as Stooge as an enterprise then, you know, we want to be able to, to attract other black philanthropists and black businesses to support the urban growth initiative. That's, that's our mission. You know, we want to make sure that black dollars um, support our mission. So, of course, you know, before I go to any other black corporation or philanthropist, we have to have ourselves together, right? We have to have our – and that's, that's what Fuji is doing. We have to create start creating our own revenue. But then after that, you know, we need black dollars to support the greater vision of the Urban Growth Initiative before we can actually start uh, developing the enterprises that allow us to stand on our own two feet. Um, and that's that's what the ultimate uh, mission is. That's what the ultimate goal is. And Jonathan, you said you had a follow-up observation. Oh, I'm sorry. First, yeah, Lena, so- it sounded like you were going to say something as well. And I want to make sure we give you time to, to get your voice in there. Or not. <laughs> uh, okay. So I, you know, Lorraine, you may know, um, one of the areas of law that I'm um, just going to get into is patent law. I noticed you guys had an action by a very popular, uh, you know, sources in apparel company against you. And it reminded me of how, how crazy it is when small, small companies, small businesses try to go out and do good work. And these large enterprises come in and try to thwart that effort. Uh, you had a trademark issue with this company, and I'm looking at your trademark and I'm looking at theirs, and there, you know, literally is nothing even connected between your trademark and theirs. Yet they put you through an action that probably costs money and time yeah. and created yeah. all oh, wow, of you know about that, Jonathan? That, huh? <laughs> that you sh- yeah, that you shouldn't have to deal with. And this is crazy, you know, the small black company that wants to do, go ahead and do good. You have to spend eight months to a year fighting against a trademark issue that shouldn't even have been issued in the first place. So I'm happy you guys won that battle. And it's just a tragic story that, you know, some, some businesses don't survive from. That Thank is you for incredible that, question, that, you, that you raised that. Yeah, that's incredible that you raised that. That was, that was something, yes. And, and, um, we spent you know, two years on that. 
Yeah, that yeah. was an experience. So let's let's did. talk about that. Let's let's talk about that briefly mm-hmm. because being uh, facing legal action is something that organizations have to be able to prepare for. Anytime you are right. uh, sued or if there is a claim of any sort of of infringement, uh, you got to respond. Otherwise, that other party wins by default. How were you all able right. to navigate uh, that sort of challenge, which, quite frankly, is not typically the type of challenge that uh, uh, entrepreneurs are going about. to be thinking that they need to be prepared for? Right. How were you able to manage that? Oh, wow. That's such a crazy story. So, you know, yeah, we, we filed uh, for our patent, I mean, our trademark, and it was a shock when we got back a challenge to our trademark, especially from this, uh, from this uh, multinational, you know, mega corporation. And um, so, like I said, I've been working for the government for, for a while, and I know I've probably said that too much, but um, I'm the CFO, and as such, you know, I deal a lot with uh, legislation. You know, I read legislation. Uh, we contribute to writing legislation all the time. So, you know, I always think in my back of my mind, I'm like a lawyer, you know, um, in my own mind. So basically what I did, I, I researched it. You know, I wasn't intimidated when they when they uh, – when they filed their complaint against our, our, um, our mark. And I also thought, you know, if it became ugly, it would be an opportunity for us to get, you know, get free press. Right. So no, I, I researched <laughs> it and I filed the, the, uh, uh, the answer to their complaint and we went back and forth. I negotiated with their lawyers and we got a favorable, what I thought was a favorable mark out of it. Actually, we changed the market changed a little bit, but it looks even better now. So I'm, I'm good with that. Um, but that was awesome. that was that was eye opening, to say the very least. And if I hadn't had the experience, to be very honest with you, if I hadn't had the experience in reading legislation and dealing with law all the time, uh, I would have definitely had to go out and hire an attorney who would have had to defend that, and it would have cost me a whole lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. But we were just fortunate in, in that I was able to do that. But, um, you know, when we when we finally got the when that finally settled, you know, we were so excited. Uh, we posted it all on social media. We were victorious. And and um, I think that Blaine just helped, helped us move forward. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I and what has, has not mentioned is um, they don't want us to really talk about it. So that's why he's not. Mention a company's name, but majority of black people have something in their closet from this company. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and then we want to make sure y'all's direct deposit does not get negatively impacted. That, see, that's the other exactly. thing. At the end of any type right. of action, if it, there mm-hmm. is a non-disclosure requirement, if there is a, an agreement that we are going to move on and be quiet about it, nothing worse than having an agreement like that in place and then coming on to the Larry Daniel Favor Show and talking about the thing you're not supposed to talk about. So that's exactly, yeah. I'm so glad that you said that, Elena, yeah. because you guys are really demonstrating uh, through your experience what it is to confront some of the challenges that, quite frankly, many entrepreneurs have to confront, how to systematize your enterprises and how to think critically about how to engage. Uh, we, we're going to have to leave it here for now. How can people follow you guys? How can they, they check out your products? Uh, where, where should they go to, to stay connected to the work that you guys are doing with the Urban Growth Initiative and Thuji New York? Yeah, thanks. Um, so you can, our website is Thuji.com, T-H-E-U-G-I.com. You can follow us on um, 
social media, Instagram. We're um, Fuji New York, and there's an underscore between Fuji and New York. So follow us on Instagram, and uh, that's oh, and Facebook as well. We're on Facebook, Fuji page on Facebook. Uh, we offer free shipping. I have to say that, which is great. Awesome. Um, awesome. Our prices are very affordable. We offer quality leather goods. Our um, leather is full grain, top grain leather. Just to let you know that, I believe we can compete with any handbag company out there. Um, Mm. So please, you know, uh, support us. Visit our website. Um, Keep in touch. Email us. We love to talk to our customers. Now, I have a note here that you guys have a promo code for the audience. Is that true? If not, we we won't give it. But I do have that note. So I need to ask about it. Actually, we do. Wow. Right. Let's go. Yeah, 20% <laughs> off today. And the discount code is FAVORS. Yes! F-A-V-O-R-S. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Thuji.com, promo code FAVORS for 20% off today. Uh, I will just let y'all know I love my bag. Uh, and I'm getting, and like the folks for whom I have purchased gifts love their bags. Uh, so I, I don't believe in supporting black owned businesses. I believe in patronizing black owned businesses. Slightly That's different right. nuance there. Uh, and I'm really, really excited about the work that you guys are doing and the fact that you have a, a non traditional way of attempting to get it done. Derek, and Elena holtz It's been a real pleasure having you here and, and speaking with us today. Thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and for Thank being you. with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Lori. We'll Absolutely. be in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely.